Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners. You're listening to the Feel and Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, and in this special mini-sode, I interview Sean Anders, director, co-writer, and inspiration for the new film, Instant Family. The film follows a couple who find themselves in over their heads when they end up adopting three children instead of the planned-upon one. As I mentioned, this is a film that is modeled after Sean's own life. Uh, He and his wife have adopted three children. This is very similar to their story in many ways, and in that way, it's very authentic. You can certainly feel the realism in the way that actors Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne interact with their children and interact with each other when they go through these struggles, and also in the moments of happiness, in the moments of love that we get to see. Anders really has a great balance at work in this film, and I went into it pretty reluctantly, to be honest, because I haven't been a fan of most of his other work. I do like the original Daddy's Home, which he made, but some of his work is a little bit more in the R-rated comedy arena, and those aren't my style. I wasn't sure how this was going to play, and I ended up coming out of it with my heart having grown three more sizes I could not believe how affecting this film was. It's being released here during National Adoption Month, which is a pretty cool thing. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the interview. I think that this is the type of film that could really inspire people to seek out adoption. The great thing about this movie is it doesn't pull any punches. It shows the struggles, and it shows the hardships, and it shows the challenges of giving your life to strangers, uh, to become their parents and bring them into your home. But at the same time, it shows the joy that can be had from that as well. It's really brilliant. Um, it's a crowd pleaser. The audience cheered a lot. The audience oohed and awed a lot. They laughed out loud together. Um, I definitely recommend this for families over the holiday season. I think it's absolutely one of your best bets. Uh, for a film to go see, and I hope that it does very well in the theater. With that being said, here is my conversation with Sean. I hope you enjoy it. I will say that while this film is sort of spoiled in the sense that we do talk about a couple of scenes directly, the plot of this film is not what you're going to be surprised by. It's a matter of going to experience it. It's a matter of feeling this film. So don't feel like you have to avoid this interview because you're going to ruin your experience with seeing this film in the theater later. You absolutely can listen to this now and still have a, a wonderful experience with that film. Without further ado, take a listen. I wanted to lead with this because, frankly, just because I'm curious. In the intro to the film that we saw, you're wearing the Wagner ball cap. Is that the, that was a the prop. same one that Pete wears? <laughs> it's a prop. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's not an actual no. company. No, but the reality of that is that I... 
uh, home renovation design, that kind of thing is, is kind of my hobby. Huh? Um, I don't get to do it a lot, obviously, because I'm pretty busy doing this, but I'm kind of an HGTV junkie and I was in the process of renovating a house when we were working on the script and it's, it's just something that I'm into. So when we, when we were looking for an occupation for these characters, I knew that I wanted them to be self-employed because in my own story, I was self-employed in the sense that I was a filmmaker and I was broke for most of my life and couldn't, never really felt like I could afford to have kids. And then when, when my career started to come online more, that was when my wife and I started talking about it. So with Pete and Ellie, I thought, well, if they spent a good part of their life building their business and then now things were going better for them finally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so when did you decide that you wanted to make a movie out of this portion of your life? Like when did that, and a follow up to that is really just how, what kind of challenges did it present? to kind of adapt your own life story in a sense? <laughs> um, well, I decided about three, three, three and a half years ago. And I think it was my writing partner, John Morris, who first brought it up because I had been telling him all these stories about my life. You know, we, we always were obviously talking about our lives all the time. And John was like, you know, people don't really know anything about this, about how this works, about how foster care adoption works. And, you know, and then we started talking about it. We make comedies, you know, and we started talking about, well, God, you know, it would be really interesting to do this as a comedy because so many of the stories that I had told John over the years were really funny because mm -hmm. it's a really awkward, bizarre situation to be in to first of all, just decide because my wife and I, we went into it exactly like Pete and Ellie do in the movie. I made this dumb joke. I just said, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, if we start now, I'm going to be an old dad. Why don't, why don't we just adopt a five-year-old? It'll be like, I got started five years ago. I was totally kidding. And oh, wow. my wife thought it was an interesting idea <laughs> and it sparked a conversation. And so just the idea of choosing to build your family that way and then bringing these total strangers into your home, it's very awkward and chaotic and strange and lends itself to comedy because yeah. there's so because in my real story a lot of the things were funny some of them were disturbingly funny you know some of them obviously were tragic and heartbreaking as well but anyway what was the second part of your question i'm so sorry i just wondered what was the hardest part of kind of adapting your own life experience versus writing fiction it was it, well. It was hard because when you when you're thinking about your life, you're you know there's like a million moments, and you have to sort of go through. And I love what you said. What your podcast is feeling movies because to get started with it, I made kind of an emotional outline of just instead of thinking about moments and things that happened, I just thought about what were the turning points for me and what were the times you know. So so you go into it feeling very you know naive at the beginning and thinking that yeah. I can do this. What are you kidding me? Come on, bring some kids in here. And then the reality hits and you're really overwhelmed. And then you're trying to figure some way to get out of this thing you've brought into your life. And then you're, you're acclimating to it. So I just really made this, this emotional outline to get through it. And then we, and then we started talking about the stories that went along with those. Oh, great. So a couple, I'm curious about a couple of the specific scenes. So Thanksgiving dinner scene, is that real or fiction? Uh, it's fiction inspired by real attitudes that almost every adoptive family encounters during their process because, and this is sort of the whole point of the movie is that, you know, people right now have very negative ideas about who these kids are in the system and the people in your life who love you 
their heart is in the right place. They're trying to protect you as they're trying to warn you off of getting involved in this system and getting involved with these kids. So people in diplomatic ways and not so diplomatic ways will tell you, are you sure this is what you want to do? And then, and then other people, it was very common for us that after they met our kid, after they felt like what, what we had done was smart and wonderful, uh, they would confess to us, wow, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I thought you were nuts. Yeah. You know, so that stuff is all very real, but of course it's written in, into a more heightened version of it at the dinner table there. No, it's, it's, but it's by the way, you, you know what else is real though? <laughs> Thank you. No, I love that scene is that in that scene, the turn in that scene is that Ellie and therefore Pete are convinced to, to, to go to the next step because they, they, they're pushing back against those attitudes. And that was real in the sense that whenever anybody would come to me, cause I was scared the whole time before we got into it, I was always scared to do it. But anytime somebody would come to me and start trash talking kids in the system, it made me, it pushed me towards the kids, not away from them. It made me be more like, no, I don't defensiveness kicks. In yeah. Right away. I just and thought like, no, I don't, don't want to hear that. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, um, one of the most moving scenes to me was the the hairbrushing scene, mm. and it, I kept thinking about how that bonding is about to happen, and then the child is fighting it. Yeah, how when you were going through this process as a parent, how do you keep yourself from being hurt when you're rejected? When you know that the reason behind it, but. I imagine it's you still very powerful. Yeah, you can't keep yourself from being hurt. And even with, you know, little kids can completely tear your heart out sometimes, sometimes intentionally, you know, and you you can't keep yourself from being hurt. But that that's actually a great question because that's so much of the skill set of the adoptive parent. Um, and really, parents in general have to deal with this. You know, parents of biological kids have to deal with this as well. But you, your main job with these kids is that they, if, if they're in your house, that means they've been let down by the most important adults in their life. And now these new people come along and say, Oh, you know, we're here to love you. And they're like, yeah, right. You know, there's no reason for them to believe that or to even want that at that point. Cause it's, it's for them, it's spelled nothing but heartbreak at that point. So you're offering them something they don't want any part of, you know, and as an adoptive parent, you're, you're your job is to just is to just offer this 100% commitment to these kids knowing that it could get you hurt um, but you're trying to give them that unconditional love that we all take for granted growing up from our own parents that's great you, you also go to some dark places yeah uh, I mean those are some sad places but you go to some kind of dark places that are really to me focus on the challenging parts of parenthood and I was thrilled to see that because it captures the highs and the lows. I love the line that, that talks about the foster kids. The, the primary goal of the system is family preservation. How did you find the balance on what to leave in and out? Because I thought you did a brilliant job, really, of giving us like a whole period of, you know, deciding you're going to do it all the way through the adoption in such a concise manner. Did you have to leave anything out? Oh my God. On the cutting floor? Like Dude, what? <laughs> we, we had to leave so much out. It was, it was really tough. At, at one point, uh, our office, 
office looked like the Zodiac Killer. It was just <laughs> index cards all over the floor because because this movie, it's inspired by my own story, but it's also inspired by several other people's stories as well. So with interviewing all these people, we had all these amazing moments and all these incredible turns and all these incredible emotions. And we had them all written on these index cards that were just everywhere. And it was so overwhelming. And in order to boil that down into a reasonable story, um, we had to let go of so many great things um, or or combine things or whatever it was to, to kind of just to fit it all in there. And that was a, a real undertaking. Well, you did a great job. Thank I mean, you. I, I, I was kind of curious in the first because I was like, okay, this is about a two hour long comedy. Like you usually a little bit shorter, but I'm glad. That you, yeah. that you got it all in there. Yeah, we've had a lot of people say that when we tell them that the movie is, is almost two hours, that they're surprised by that mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel like that. It and doesn't. I, I love hearing that. Um, how much of a role, if you don't mind, did your own family serve in kind of creating the film? And, and also, what was their reaction to seeing it? Well, my family, I, I was talking with them about it all the time because that's how I think. I think out loud. So I was talking to my family about it all the time in the script phase. And then my wife and kids came and visited the set a few times. And I like to bring my kids to work at the edit bay sometimes, you know, when they have a day off school or whatever, they'll come and hang oh, out on the that's Paramount a cool lot. Take your kid to work, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's nice. They, they, they come and they mostly just sit there and play video games on their iPads because they're not that interested. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we get to walk around the Paramount lot and stuff. And that's that's really fun to have them at work. But anyway, they were they were really involved, uh, you know, all the way through. So when they saw the movie, it wasn't like they were seeing it cold. They they really kind of knew what what they were going to see. And they, and what I was really pleased with is that my youngest son Josh, he really loved the movie, and he he loved the kids in the movie, and he had a good time watching the movie. Now at this point, they've seen it. I've had to drag them to all these different events, so they're like, okay, enough with the movie. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but. Uh, they but they've seen it a lot. That's awesome. You know, you've written a lot of R-rated comedies that are a decidedly different tone. And I've always wanted to ask this to someone. So one thing I do when I go see PG-13 movies is I specifically look for when is the F word going to come <laughs> and how is it used? So do you do that as a director when you're writing PG-13? Do you specifically think about where you're going to use your, your one? Your one F-bomb. Yeah. Um, well, I've done three PG-13 movies now and only one of them featured an F-bomb. Okay. And that's this one. And and when we, our first draft of this script, usually when we write our first draft, we don't write with a rating in mind. We just write and we just, you know, just try to write as honestly as we can and have, make it fun. And that the, the moment where Ellie drops the F-bomb in this movie was always, it's such an important moment in the movie. And it's so funny that she says that, but it's also, it, it's one of the things that I'm the most proud of in this movie is that in so many screenings of the movie, when Ellie makes this speech and hits her F-bomb, the audience literally applauds. Yes, Not the F-bomb, no. but they applaud the, the intention the punctuation of her yeah. statement, yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's my favorite use of an F-bomb, uh, <laughs> uh, in my career anyway. But no, it is this ridiculous thing of these, these rules that you have to comply with. And, you know, with this movie, I really wanted kids to be able to see the movie. And the movies that I grew up with, the PG movies that I grew up with, there was a lot more leeway back in the day of, you know, some of those great movies. Like, you know, you kind of forget how much profanity is in the Goonies, you know, and stuff like that. And I thought that was cool when I was that age of just, you know, when I was a little kid and seeing these movies that had a little edge on it. And, you know, so I like the PG-13 space where it's like, okay, it's really up to the individual parents of, you know, I get 
get it. Everybody has their different line, yeah. you know. But um, but also there's always language in the PG-13 of things that you that you can't say that can be a little. <laughs> a little smothering Understandable. sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was great. And, Thank you. And I, I, I'm looking forward to having my kids watch it too. So it's incredibly entertaining, the film. But I think it's also pretty important. I think you've done something really special where this is a film that can actually encourage parents to end up adopting kids. Was there a specific tie to National Adoption Day and the release date? Is that a, an intention? That was pretty fortunate because what happened was when they greenlit the movie, it was dated for February. But there was always this kind of carrot dangling that if the movie really turns out great, they might be able to push it up into the holidays. And if they did, there was a good chance it was going to go to November, which is also National Adoption Month. And um, so for me, I really, that's, I wanted that. I wa the National Adoption Month thing, less so. It, for me, it was more about getting into the holidays because I felt like this movie coming out over the holidays when we are kind of the best versions of who we are, for people to go see this movie, I felt like the, the messages of this movie would permeate more over the holidays. So I really wanted that. So when we finished the movie, um, we were done shooting at the end of May, and we came back uh, to L.A. to start post, and we were killing ourselves to get that movie, to get the edit done so that we could show it to the studio so that we could prove to them that we had a holiday movie on our hands. And they, they saw it, we put it in front of an audience, and the audience loved it. And they immediately moved it into the holidays, which so put it right. right on National Adoption Month. Yeah, but there's which not was... enough Thanksgiving movies. I know it's not a Thanksgiving movie, but I think it's it's going to be a great one. Like you said, well, look, family time. And the Thanksgiving scene the is Thanksgiving one of the best scenes in the, the best movie. Scene in the movie. <laughs> Maybe the best, yeah. Well, my last question is just one that, that uh, my co-host is in Arkansas, so he can never be here for these. And uh, we always What's like his name? To, his name's Patrick. Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Oh, man, he's going to love that. <laughs> we always like to ask our guests this question um, because of the, the, the direction of our show. And that is, what's one film? that has deeply affected you emotionally in some way? It could be any oh. emotion, something that you can recommend. <laughs> well, I'm a huge John Hughes fan. Oh, okay. So almost all of his movies affected me deeply. I remember going to see... I was the right age for The Breakfast Club when it was in theaters. So when I went to see that movie and it was feeling understood as a teenager, meant so much to me, you know. And also that movie was so damn funny on top of it. But then his other movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, is one that I... It's one of my all-time favorite comedies. And it's so emotional and it's so honest and, and great. And then another one that, that... Another director that I love is Ron Howard and Parent Parenthood was, mm -hmm. I remember going to see Parenthood and for the first time feeling like I understood kind of what my dad and my mom had gone through. And I, I, I went to see that movie and it was so embarrassing because I had a, a kind of a new girlfriend at the time and I was so, I, it, the movie made me cry and I had to call my dad and tell him that I loved him after oh seeing that movie. So that, oh. I never forgot that about that movie. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful film. Uh, like I said, I think it's an important film and I'm thankful that you shared I mean it's intimate film it's it's very authentic and we I appreciate you sharing that with yeah. us and that. well and I gotta say I, I love the idea of your podcast I love well, the you. idea about the the feet because I feel like w with movies people spend way too much time talking about nuts and bolts and talking about visual effects and, and all do. that kind of stuff <laughs> and what these the whole reason these that movies exist is that we're telling stories and the the thing that makes the story compelling are the feelings behind all of it so you're I, you're the first person I've ever heard doing this I, you're you guys are right on the money with this thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. very much. And thanks for taking the time. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Sean. Um, he is a very talented filmmaker and just an all-around great guy. 
it was a joy to meet him, to talk about his family, and I, I really did appreciate him being so open with me and, and so open with the world uh, just in making this film, sharing some of his life with us in the intimate moments. I hope that you'll enjoy Instant Family. I think you will. Go check it out in a theater near you. If you had a good time listening to this, we'd love for you to check us out. Follow us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Film, or you can come find myself and Patrick both in the Feelin' Film Facebook group and always looking for more folks to join there and talk movies all day, every day. Until next time, stay positive and keep feeling film.